You are listening to Joygasm, video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steveovich. And it is a leap year in episode 162 today, February 29th, 2020. We're going to be catching up with each other before we go right into our topic of the day, which is single player games versus multiplayer games, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the episode's detailed section below. Steve, happy weekend to you. Happy weekend to you, Russ. Ah, how's, how's, your, you. how's your uh, Dr. Robot Nick mustache growing? Well, I must say, I, I if, if you, a mustache were to be a goatee, it's growing quite well. Are you, uh, are you, are you going to be Dr. Robot Nick for Halloween? That's actually a good idea. I didn't really think about that. <laughs> I will have to ponder that and get back to you. The reason I, I asked about the Halloween thing is because uh, the wife, the whiff, and I watched um, the Back to the Future trilogy uh, this week. And they're looking at Doc Brown and uh, Clara. Uh-huh. Um, I, I could see her wearing Clara's dress. I'm like, oh man, you you would look great in, in the dress that Clara wore uh, for that little uh, little shindig, you know, party they had in the town, and uh, for Back to the Future Three, and and so I said, man, that, that that dress would fit you. I said, you should be Clara for Halloween, and she goes, only if you're Doc, and I went, no, I can't be Doc. Yeah, I should <laughs> be Doc Brown, cowboy style, shave the beard put a wig on and we could do couples Halloween as Doc Brown and Clara. <laughs> there you go. I like it. <laughs> I had to write it down. So we'll see what happens. But, um, <laughs> you know, you could always be Griff instead and just like be coming on to your wife the whole time. All nasty. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Maybe I'll take my $5 out of her. Oh, or whatever. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm now, that, was, that was mad dog. Tannen. Griff was from back to the future too. Oh, very astute of you to point that out. Mad dog. That's right. Mad dog. I hate that name. <laughs> Nobody. I hate it, you hear? <laughs> Nobody calls me mad dog. <laughs> Especially not some yellow egg sucking or whatever he yeah. says. <laughs> when he says, you gonna come out here and face me, you yellow gutless no good. That's right. Something, gutless. Something. Yeah. Gutless uh, egg sucking, whatever he said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She'd man. probably be so done with you by the end of the night. She's like, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I could just be Biff uh, and then go, hey, Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to marry me someday, Lorraine. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she would have to at some point go, get your mean pain or get your mean paws off me and go, and like slap me. I'll be like, meat, oh, no, no, no. It's, no, it's my turn to uh, correct you. It's meat hooks. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to be for Halloween. I know it's a ways out, but it's going to be interesting to see if I'm still going to be in California or if I'm going to be back in Texas. It's, uh, I, th- I think that's uh, going to have a bit of a bearing, but yeah, the robot Nick thing I think could work out quite well, especially if I were to buy one of those little Sonic plush toys and I'll just be like squeezing him the whole time everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is going on with you there, Steve? Ah, Russ. So, uh, yeah, I know I've been progressing ever so slowly through, uh, 
Jedi Fallen Order. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting there, Russ. I think I'm at the last part. Um, everybody's making a big deal about where I am. So we'll see what happens. Um, I watched. Uh, wait, 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 hold on a second. Where Mission are you Empire? right now in Jedi Fallen Order? They, okay, I went to this planet that wasn't initially on the radar. And everybody is saying like, okay, I, I've been dubbed a, a Jedi for sure. And then I'm going to have to go face somebody and a new planet popped up on the thing. And I went to that one. I don't know what it's called. Don't ask me about that. Oh. Um, so I watched, I rented and watched Mission Impossible Fallout, which we had seen uh, last year. And um, I'm happy to say that it's just as good, if not better, on Blu-ray. Well, good. So, um, other than that, uh, we are on. We are one episode away from finishing season seven of Twenty Four. Did I have mentioned also it's on Blu-ray this time? They actually upgraded to Blu-ray. I don't, we're not watching it on DVD anymore. Uh, I don't think so. This whole time, I've been watching it on DVD only. And by season seven, they've upgraded to beautiful Blu-ray, so I get to see Jack Bauer sweating and getting beat and. All the tense and the suspense yeah. moments, all in just crystal clarity. Where is it? Yeah. yeah. We're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, was that a lion roar or what? I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, well, that's just been about what's going on with me. What's about you? Well, I have a variety of things I was uh, looking forward to telling you about, Steve. Okay, Tim, uh, where's your last rest? Well, I think that's a possibility there, Steve. <laughs> First of all, I am coming to you from Reno, Nevada, because I have a friend of mine whose birthday it is, and uh, he was asking if I could make it out here. So I thought to myself, well, I don't see why not. I'm going to grab all the podcast gear and head out this way. So, you know, we, we have our, our official podcast recording done in Reno for the first time here, Steve. It's very nice. Very nice indeed. In addition to that, I have a list of different things here. First of all, we have some exciting news regarding Joygasm. The podcast, as of, well, it it may have been before this week. I'm not exactly sure, but I, I just happened to do a little check. And it is now available on iHeartRadio and Pandora, both of which we have been waiting on for over a year to get accepted into. There's like this application process that you have to go through and you have to present them with your program. The program has to be um, on schedule for quite some time and the production value has to meet a certain criteria. So I must say I'm very happy and excited as I'm sure you are as well, Steve. I've already Uh, subscribed to our channel. Oh, excellent. Good man. Um, but yeah, those were the, those those two were kind of the, the holdouts of the rest of them. Cause we, I I believe we are just about everywhere else. I mean, it doesn't matter, obviously iTunes and Google play and Android and pod chaser, pod tail, Spotify, YouTube. My goodness. There, there are a ton of them tune in radio. I, I can't even remember all the different places, but yeah, those were the two biggies that I was hoping that we'd eventually get approved and, we have indeed. So that's really, really cool. Um, the other side of that is that I realized also it was just weird how like this week was kind of like a, a bit of a checking in regarding the, the logistics of the program. But 
Our program um, currently is not appearing in search engine results within iTunes, which is weird because if you are currently subscribed to the program, you are still getting the show's episodes. No problem whatsoever. It's literally just a search engine thing. So I've been bouncing back and forth between our provider as well as Apple to try and figure out what it is. And, and we've narrowed it down to some kind of XML technical issue that's happening. And I think I may have figured it out. We'll find out here in the next few days, but hopefully that issue will be taken care of and it'll be back to business as usual. So if, there's any, if anyone's trying out there trying to find us and uh, can't when it comes to iTunes anyway, that is why we are in fact there <laughs> just for some reason we're flying under the radar. So I have a, actually the XML thing I do think has to do with how many episodes we have. Because Apple has something in place where if you have like over 50 episodes, you may run into problems if you don't have certain things addressed and whatnot. And seeing as how we are on episode 162, I think that that is probably what is causing it. But I'll have an update for everybody next week on that. I also got my Xbox set up with my little travel carrying case dealio. I'm very excited to say that I was able to play a little bit of Overwatch, which I have not played in quite some time. They have quite a few new maps in there, Steve. I was having fun kind of getting used to what all has been released since the last time I played it. And uh, they also have some different types of uh, UI dashboard menu items and that sort of thing. So you know, I was just trying to play a little catch up with it, but everything works just fine and dandy. It's, it is uh, within our near future, hopefully, that we'll be able to resume some uh, some playthroughs. I don't know if you want to get on Sea of Thieves or whatever it is you want to do, Steve, but you just, uh, you just let me know. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we get back on some Sea of Thieves with um, Big Baby Moose. Oh, I think you might be on to something there. <laughs> oh, funny story before I forget. So on our way from California over to Reno, we're driving, it's at night, and my, my friend is the one who's doing the driving. I'm carpooling with him. And uh, at one point, he ended up nodding off. He fell asleep at the wheel going about uh, <laughs> 70 miles an hour or so. And it was the funniest thing because he had this uh, little like audio book playing. Like, I guess that's like his thing of like when he likes to drive, he'll be listening to an audio book as he's driving it, but he listens to it pretty loud. And I, I mean, I'm not a big audio book guy and I wasn't into it. So I had my iPhone earbuds in and I was just listening to music. I just had my, my, you know, Apple music thing going. And, <laughs> and at one point, you know, I'm, we're just kind of driving it and I feel the car just kind of do this weird drifting thing. And, and he starts to like drift into the, the other lane, but it didn't have that like purposeful, I'm going to change lanes now feeling. And I realized he, <laughs> Committed. He, he had nodded off. And I mean, there are cars all around us. It, it was amazing how there was like this little gap that was to our right. And luckily, like, as we were into the second lane, like 90% into the, the lane to our right, he, like, snapped awake and, like, jerked us back into the other lane. <laughs> I was like, well, that was exciting. I'm sure the blood is now flowing very well through the heart as it's pumping profusely with adrenaline. So it was funny because I saw so we, we got to play 100 questions where I just kept asking questions for him to answer, and we made it safe and sound. So... Does he have life insurance? Let me just ask you that, Russ. Oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> Man, I hope this wasn't the, the I hope this was the only time that's happened, but 
I, I was talking to a guy on the phone where that just happened. He fell asleep and he ran off the road. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to know what that's like. But I did find it strangely fascinating how my gut was telling me that that was not an intentional merging of lanes. And I snapped over. I was about to yell. Ah! <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the couple other things, one of which was that I was able to meet the CEO of Take Two Interactive. His name is Strauss Zelnick, and he is the head honcho for uh, a number of different publishers and developers. Uh, I'm not sure, Steve, if you're aware, but Take Two Interactive is actually the parent company of 2K Games. So when it comes to 31st Union, where I work at as a developer, 2K Games is our publisher, and I was able to meet the president of 2K. His name's David, and uh above him is take two. And so it was nice because he um, ended up Mr. Zelnick made a trip over to say hi and hung out with uh, the team for about half a day. And he was very interested in meeting everybody and seeing what it was we were up to and stuff. And so it was really, really cool to be able to, to meet someone like that. And apparently he, before he was with take two and he's been with take two, I think since about 2000, I want to say 2011, but before that, I think he worked for 20th century Fox so he, he comes from movies. Awesome. Yeah. So isn't uh isn't Rockstar under the Take Two the Take Two uh umbrella? Yes. Yep. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, Rockstar that's Games awesome. is also under that too. Yeah, he's yeah, the 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 NBA 2K franchise is under it. The, there there are actual um actually several different developers that are that are under it. So they are quite successful, that's for sure. The other thing is that the Fan Expo Dallas is coming soon. It's going to be coming next month, and it's I think it's going to be here before we know it. I I can't remember what the the exact dates are. Do you it's, happen to it's know? It's the off? end of March, so it's like the it's like March twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth around there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think that's when it is. And I just thought it would be fun just to, to mention how I received an email, and there are going to be a lot of great gaming celebrities that are going to be there. There's the voice of Master Chief, the voice of Cortana, uh, the voice of Soldier 76 from Overwatch, the voice of Hanzo, uh, the voice of Mario. Man, there's there's just there's a lot. There's a lot of anime guests that are going to be there. John Cleese is going to be there. We've got the Hobbits. Who else? Who, who am I not thinking of, Steve? You got some cast from uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Harry. Harry. Harry Potter. Harry. Uh, so they're going to be there. You're going to have some cast from The Office, uh, some cast from, I believe it's Arrow, and that's all I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, oh, I'm not sure. you know who else is going to be there? Who? Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who was uh, the, the uh, uh, freaking A. Um, the guy who played the Punisher. I could see his face. He played oh. the Punisher, and he, he was um, he was in the he Walking was in, Dead. He was in Four V Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what was his John name? John Bernthal. Bernthal. Ah, yeah. There you go, Mister Bernthal. That would actually be really cool too. I think uh, if I'm unable to make it there, you definitely need to take the wife and introduce her to our proper comic book convention, Steve. Lots of fun memories to be had there. I think <laughs> buy a couch. Or get autographs and photo ops. <laughs> oh, it's no brainer.
Well, hang on to your favorite Slurpee. It's time for the topic of the day. topic of the day is single player games versus multiplayer only games. And this has been, I think, brewing in the back oven. Or is it back oven or back bur- back burner? I think back, back burner. burner is probably, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the, the, the back part of the microwave anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it, it's been brewing um, for a while with the gaming community. And it's something that, that we thought it would be interesting to kind of share our, our thoughts on. And I know that we've come up with some questions that I think it'd be fun to ask each other regarding it. Um, I think the it'd be fun to be able to start out with the notion that traditionally speaking, there has been either single player games or you have a single player campaign story mode that also has some sort of multiplayer feature to it. And so it really depends on how the the approach to the the game is. So if you have a game like Halo, for instance, you typically will have some sort of story campaign that you can play through. You can you can find out more about um, you know where the story left off, where they decided to take the canon, and then also they have an ongoing multiplayer component that has been a huge success for a long time. If you compare that to say, uh, you know, I don't know, like that, like an RPG, let's say Mass Effect, it, it is a single player story campaign kind of thing. They had some multiplayer aspects to it, but if you were to think of like like the uh, the initial Mass Effect, Mass Effect Two, it's just a single player only type of experience. So, that being said. There has been a new development over the last couple of years that has been more of a multiplayer only playing experience. And a lot of this, I would say, is predominantly within the sports categories as well as the first person shooters and the third person shooters. But Steve, if you would be so kind as to refresh everyone with regards to how some of these companies have looked at the, this new type of scenario? Well, for example, um, it, what caught my attention anyway has been EA, mainly because I've been playing Star Wars. And this, uh, this, the reviews for Star Wars have been great, and the game has been selling um, in good numbers. Not extraordinary, but uh, very, very good numbers. And so uh, I began to, to look at it, and... EA was saying, oh, well, it definitely sold at the higher end of expectations. Um, and I think it was Battlefront 2 that sold about uh, 7 million copies, and that was uh, kind of disappointing. This one has sold about uh, 8 million copies um, as of January 30th, so we're still a month in, and they're hoping to top it at uh, 10 million copies by the end of next month. So, um, I mean, as this article was written... It was, I mean, yeah, it's a million units behind, but um, I mean, the numbers aren't that different from uh, one Star Wars game or the other Star Wars game. And it seemed to me that EA felt that this game wasn't going to do as well as they had hoped. Um, and so then I, got, I, I dug a little bit and 
I remember back in 2010, EA had this attitude of single player games are quote unquote finished. Um, and I remember in the article, they had this, uh, this picture of everybody playing some sort of sort of game with, you know, enthusiastic, energetic, happy faces on there. And it says above just image, just imagine how boring this picture would be if there was only one person, right? I'm like, "Mm, yes and no, I don't really know. And then later on it says uh, EA Games chief Frank Gabu confirmed the move in a recent interview with Develop saying, um, that all the company studio heads are up on the same page. They're, quote, they're very comfortable moving the discussion towards how we make connected gameplay, be it cooperative or multiplayer or online services, as opposed, as opposed to fire and forget, packaged goods only, single 25 player, tw- or uh, single, single player 25 hours and you're out. That model is finished. And that was 10 years ago. And so we go to maybe 2017 where uh, they, they said, we're trying to build a game that really pushed gameplay to the next level. This is around the time where uh, Visceral Games um, was taken out um, and they were talking about Star Wars. They said, we're trying to build a game that, were really, that really pushed gameplay to the next level. And as we kept reviewing the game, it continued to look like a style of gaming much, like, much more linear than people uh, prefer today as they did five years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, and that article was in November 20 uh, of 2017. So you can kind of see how the attitude has been pushed over the last decade, at least from big powerhouse EA. And then they come out with star Wars fallen order and it's doing absolutely fantastic. And it almost seems like they're, I mean, I don't want, I'm, I'm going on a limb here, but it seems like, they are surprised that the single player game is even doing as well as it should. Maybe a little bit disheartened in a sense, because if you look at EA's um, quarterly report, they made a billion dollars just in a quarter off just microtransactions. So, you know, that's where their focus really is. Yeah. Companies like EA games have pushed multiplayer only as a way to make more money through microtransactions and the software as a service model. And I think that there has been other publishers as well, like Bethesda is another one. Ubisoft is another one. And I, I think it's been a, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say um, just real quick, but then you have the other side of it, like um, CD project red, who's, who's saying the, the quite the opposite. Um, if you just, if you follow even their tweets, I don't have their, their Twitter page up in front of me, but um they're basically, you can go on in there and, and, and see for yourselves that they have said, like, you know, we're not doing multi um, or uh, microtransactions. We're not doing loot boxes. We're not doing like any of this kind of like play to win type stuff. It's all about single player driven stories. And CD Projekt Red is in like the spotlight now, much more positive spotlight than EA. Yeah, I think there was a transition that was taking place around 2010 because I remember when I was working at a previous gaming company back in the day. And that was when the mobile platforms were really starting to take off with the mobile gameplay. And so you had more of the casual gaming audience that was um, going on. Also, too, when it came to different platforms like Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, that sort of thing, I think that there was an interest into figuring out how to better monetize it. Because at that point in time, 
you had like, say for instance, Halo, where they actually had a very balanced model of being able to have a game come out. You have the single player gaming experience and then you had the multiplayer and over the next like two to three years, Bungie would be dropping new content, whether it was like more maps, more multiplayer maps or um, different types of uh, aesthetics or gear, whatever it was, but it felt very fair and they were very successful in being able to make an announcement, have the fans get excited and then make even more money as a result of them continuing. And I think it was, it was, it was seen largely by the community as a means of Bungie supporting the game that they had come out with and keeping things interesting and fresh and, you know, the, the multiplayer component was seen as, as this method of extending the lifestyle or not the lifestyle, the, the life cycle of the game. So with that in mind, there was a bit of this change up that was happening. And I know that when it came, especially to EA is I think that there were people who were high up in leadership who were probably looking at different ways to see how they can make more money by leveraging the, the online platform. And it's no secret. We've all seen some of the stuff that's been going on. We've talked about it quite a bit here on the program as well about some of the, the failures that EA has had and, and others too, where, where they have like pay to win and that sort of thing. But I think it's interesting to see where we are today because I think that the publishers have learned some valuable lessons regarding how this stuff plays out. And, and I don't know if they've necessarily learned their lesson per se, but I do think they're, they are hesitant to be as aggressive as they were just five years ago. If that really. So I mean, I, I, for you, Steve, I mean, do you have a, a preference as to which game type you like more? I mean, do you prefer the story-driven games or are you more of a multiplayer-only fan? You know, I, I'm definitely more like the the, the, the single-player-only style only because I feel the game... Um, this is going to come out really bad, but it, it has to, to my... I don't know, perspective, a higher quality with uh, not only the story, which I'm more interested in, um, because even multiplayer, uh, like you know, any kind of battle royale game, there, there's still going to be some sort of story. You're just not going to have like, here's random people who just want to kill each other for no reason at all. Go to it, boys and girls. You know, there's going to be some sort of a story. But I, I enjoy the richness of the story, and I think that the single-player games are also more beautiful. I think they're, they're more creative. Um, and I, I have more of a experience playing the game versus the multiplayer where I think it's a different kind of experience, but because I've played the maps and I've played the characters time and time and time and time and time and time and time again, again, uh, I already know what to expect. And so that, that thrill is gone. It's just the experience of, Hey, we pulled out a big win, um, or that matchup was epic or, or whatnot, but um, there really is not a bigger payoff for me. It's more of something like, hey, you, you, you want to get together and you know, play a game tonight? Okay, yeah, okay, let's go ahead and do it. I mean, for example, Sea of Thieves is nice because you get to play with, and meet, I should say. I met a lot of great people playing Sea of Thieves, um, but you've done everything. Like, you already know what's going to happen, and it happens, and so the, there's no thrill. It's just like the interaction is, is kind of fun, but at the end, 
You're just like, yeah, okay, it's Sea of Thieves. You know, it kind of gets boring. And we've stopped playing Sea of Thieves, you know, every single night like we used to. Same thing with Overwatch. Like we've played and played and played Overwatch a lot. And yeah, okay, they've kind of messed with some characters. They brought in new characters. They brought in new maps. But by and large, um, I mean, to my perspective, you know, I, I play it and it's fun. Um, but since I already know how it looks and how it plays and how it sounds, there's really no thrill. But I will say this, and I know I'm kind of going long wind here, um, that the multiplayer game does stay in my Xbox longer than a, than a story-driven game. Um, but pretty much for the sole purpose of that if I play the story mode as much as I play a multiplayer then the story is going to become not so grandiose anymore. Like I already know the story. I already know what happens. I already know what to expect. And so it's not going to seem as special to me. Like if I kept on, I've been dying to go play uh, Red Dead again, <laughs> you know, one more time <laughs> to go to go through it all. And I just haven't because you know, I want to wait till I get my Xbox Series X. I want to see the graphics boost. And then I want to play it from start to finish all over again and, and try and do stuff I didn't do the first time. Yeah. But so that has not been in my box as much as, uh, as much as Overwatch or even you know Sea of Thieves. So I will say that. So there is a little bit of a, a contrast there. But if you ask me, just point blank, what games do you prefer? I'm just going to say story driven, story driven games. What about you? I would say I, I would lean toward more of the single story player experience, just because I love a great story. I love being able to interact in that story. And when done correctly, it is um, a game that I will never forget. And I think that that has been demonstrated time and time again, or even recently with Red Dead Redemption 2, with God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon Zero Dawn, The Last of Us. There's, there, there are a lot of, of really amazing stories that get told and even the gameplay mechanics, the way that they are interwoven into the storytelling is a lot of fun. Having said that though, it is a blast to be able to play in a multiplayer game. But I think there has to be a certain criteria involved in order to make it long lasting and something that is truly enjoyable. And you touched a little bit about it when it came to some of the story elements. I think like Overwatch, for example, is a multiplayer only type of experience. But Blizzard knew the importance of actually taking the time to create these um, narratives with the characters that you can watch in kind of this ongoing cinematic series. I think if they had not done that, then I think it would have been a little more difficult for gamers to bond more with the characters. And especially considering that, like how much of a motley crew of characters, I, I remember that was something that was hard for me, even when I first started playing a game like overwatch to get behind, because there was a, a bit of a, chaotic approach to the art direction when it came to the characters in that none of the characters look like they necessarily belonged in, in the same world because they, they were so individualized, I guess you could say, if you look Random. at, if you look at like, yeah, if, yeah, if you look at how they are, um, it, it like there, there were certain visual aesthetics that helped, I think, bind them into the same world. But having said that, that played more of a backseat to, Really, what initially my my knee jerk response was, wow, like none of these characters seem like they belong in the world, same world. Since that time, I've just accepted it and I've been enjoying the game and that sort of thing. But 
I think too, I think that there has to be a secret sauce when it comes to either one of these. I th- I think that both of these types of, of genres can coexist together. And I think they should, honestly. I think when people start to think that one or the other is finished, I think that's the wrong attitude to have. I think that's the wrong perspective to have. I think that the gaming community at large has plenty of space for both genres to flourish. And we've seen that happen, you know, when it comes to Fortnite, for example, that's another great example of a multiplayer only type of game that has the battle Royale mode. It has been extremely successful with a large grouping of the gaming audience. But having said that, like even the examples I gave when it came to like, let's say red dead redemption, that was also a tremendous success, both critically and financially. It is interesting. Well, to, you, I was going to yeah, like go add in one last thing where um, a game like Red Dead Redemption also has a multiplayer component, but it has not been as successful as, say, GTA's multiplayer component. At least not yet. I mean, their their GTA has been out a lot longer than Red Dead, so they've had a lot of more time to kind of perfect it and add stuff to it. So it's kind of a whole bigger world than Red Dead. Mm-hmm. Um but I was going to say, if you look at the game, like the games that have received awards over the last 10 years, 2010 was Red Dead Redemption, 2011, uh, uh, Skyrim, The Elder Scrolls uh, V, no, 2012, The Walking Dead, 2013, Grand Theft Auto V, 2014, Dragon Age Inquisition, 2015, The Witcher 3, 2016, Overwatch, 2017, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, 2018, God of War, and of course, last year, 2019, uh, Sekiro. So I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, action role-playing, you know, uh, single-player story-driven uh, <laughs> types of games in there more so than, than multiplayer. Right. How so, do you think multiplayer-only games have uh, benefited the gaming community? Well, there are people who just enjoy multiplayer and, and not so much the... The single player. I mean, I, I know folks who they would buy the new Halo game and they would just go right to the multiplayer to see what was going on versus you and I who would go right to the, the single player mode. And that's all it was. And they really didn't care about it. And I, so I think there's kind of two halves of the, of the coin there. Um, and so I think uh, with the gaming community, uh, there you just have people who want to go online and play with other folks and they enjoy that. And, you know, all right, that's great grand nifty. I'm glad you enjoy it. But I, but just because... I would say a good, you know, half of the community enjoys that. It doesn't mean that the other half is irrelevant. Um, I think that there's there's something out there for everybody. And I think maybe some game companies want to be everything to everybody, but I just don't think it's a good idea to, to overgeneralize a type of game. It's like almost saying, like, uh, the four-door sedan is dead. And you might be the type of guy who... Um, actually likes Ford or sedans. You don't like to drive coupes. You don't like to drive sports cars because that's not your thing. And so if they all, if all the <laughs> auto manufacturers stop selling Ford or sedans, you're going to be like, okay, well, what's for me? I don't want to drive one of those other cars. Like I enjoy driving a Ford or sedan. I want to be comfortable in my commute, you know? Um, and so I, to make those outlandish uh, generalizations, I think is pretty unwise. So, I mean, you're literally going to alienate a good portion of your community, at least 50%, because... As you can tell by the games who, that are receiving awards, the games that are providing these epic experiences, those are story-driven games, not so much multiplayer. But 
it's like I said earlier, it's just a different type of experience when you play the multiplayer than you need a single player. So, I mean, do you think, do you think there's a pro and a con between the two? Um, between single player and multiplayer or just in terms of yeah. like how multiplayer only games have benefited the gaming community? Uh, just, just between the, the, the two types of, of games. I, th- I think that um, it's 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 like what I said earlier. I, I think that that there's a place for both. I I do not subscribe to the notion that there can only be one or the other. And I think when it comes to how you approach the game design, that's really telling as to like how the game will be received by the community. And I and I also don't think that there are just strictly two groups of people in the gaming industry. I think, I think that I, think, I honestly think that there's like a cross pollination. I think there's people like you and I, where they enjoy both types of games. And I, and I, I'm sure that there are like, you know, you, you, you will have a smaller subsect of people who are like, Oh, I only like multiplayer only games or, Oh, I only like um, single player story driven games. And that's fine. That's totally fine. And I think that that speaks a lot toward why both need to be able to coexist together. I, I do think going back to the, the question I asked you about how um, has multiplayer only games benefited the gaming community. I do applaud the gaming industry with coming up with different types of multiplayer games that are ongoing because in the, in the past, like, you know, around 2000, 2001, something like that, you know, you had your EverQuest, and then a little bit later in like 2003, 2004 around there, you had world of Warcraft and you, you had, these online MMORPGs, right? And you also had like your real-time strategy games like StarCraft and that sort of thing. And then you had your first-person shooters as well. And so you you had kind of a, a, a birth of sorts when it came to multiplayer-only games that have been around for 20 years now. But I'm glad to see how just within the last few years there has been efforts made to think about, okay, how can we create this world that people can just visit and revisit and be able to, to live in the, these, these kind of virtual lifestyles. And I think that games like world of Warcraft have been very successful in being able to cultivate something like that. But I do think that some of the approaches have become rather outdated. And we've, we've seen that like, for instance, an Anthem where like, you can only go and fight the same spider so many times before you start to feel bored because you've done it so many times. There's nothing new about it. And I think one of the challenges moving forward that I I'm starting to see, and I, and I hope will actually get more and more aggressively integrated is the notion that you need to have certain types of gameplay mechanics that are procedural in nature. You need to be able to randomize the environment in such a way that actually gets plugged into a bit of the story if there is one in a way that makes sense and, and helps to just keep the gameplay fresh. I, I think the, the idea of having the same type of hotspot, so to speak, you know, where you can go and you can uh, fight the same, same type of enemies, the same type of mini boss, and then you get some sort of loot drop. You know, I think that's a flawed approach. At least it's a, it's an outdated approach. I think what needs to happen is you need to have a world that's expansive and especially given the fact that our next gen of consoles is right around the corner. I think that opens up Pandora's box even more where you're able to have the, these gigantic landscapes to be able to traverse in. And I think, and they just need to 
kind of update their, their way of thinking and approaching how this stuff works, because that is the one detriment that we always have, right? The reason why you and I don't play Sea of Thieves as much as we used to is because we've kind of done everything. And yeah, they'll update little things here and there, but it's not enough to really compel us to come back and want to spend hours upon hours in there because the only type of randomized event is if you have a ship encounter with other players, you never know how that's going to go. That's completely unpredictable. And as a result, it's always exciting. That is one thing about that game that always gets your heart pumping is that you don't know who's going to be the victors out of a battle like that. It almost sounds like you're starting to describe the Witcher three in a sense and the DLC that they had. Uh, Cause with that environment, I mean, personally me as a gamer, I didn't want to leave. I mean, I, I would, I beat the game and I've met so many people along this quest and explored tons of different landscapes and had grown my skills and got new armor and got new swords. And, and I, this was an environment that I enjoyed being in and I didn't, didn't want to leave. And so when CD Projekt Red announced, hey, we're going to drop some DLC. It's going to be about 20 bucks or 30 bucks. I was like, you already have my money because <laughs> I mean, bring it out because I, I'm looking for reasons to go back into this world. Um, so I guess I, maybe I'm curious, um, do you think there should be more, you know, decent sized DLC drops, even if they costed, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever they did, or even, you know, maybe even higher, do you think it's worth it? to for companies to explore that versus have these multiplayer games where there's a lot more small you know microtransactions in them I think it's it's always a good thing to be able to properly support the game that you have because your gamers will will always reward you for that. I think when it came to the Witcher example, I think that that, that was more of an old school approach where like it, it reminds me of Halo in the sense where like they had more maps, they had more weapons, that sort of thing. They had things that they were able to update the game as a whole that that kept you coming back for more. But it didn't keep us there. And I think that that's one of the things that is detrimental about single-player story games is that once the story comes to an end, you may play the game a couple more times through. I think Halo is probably one, the one example where like we played the single-player countless times. But that's a, definitely an exception to the rule. And I think... It's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those unfortunate necessities that, that, you know, when you, when you, um, have a story that unless it's episodic, it's going to come to an end and there's only so many times there's a finite amount of interest that, you know, players will have before they decide, okay, well, I'm going to go on to the next new thing. And I think that, that their only way to, to perpetually keep gamers involved and interested in a single player story driven game is if you were to have something that perhaps was kind of episodic in nature. It's funny that how final fantasy seven remake is in fact embracing this notion because you have this old school game that wasn't designed that way in the first place, but square Enix is in fact making it more of an episodic adventure. I don't know if I necessarily believe their reasoning behind it other than, you know, maybe they want to make more money, want to maximize their profits, or maybe they just need, they need more time. I, I have no idea, but it is interesting how they are testing the waters with that. I do think that they would have been much more in a better position with the, the community accepting it if it was a brand new IP. But I think because they're doing it with a game that came out already 
and had the whole game in its entirety, I think that there we have been conditioned as gamers to expect that particular title of Final Fantasy VII to just come out all as one game itself. But that aside, I would be totally for some sort of single-player story-driven adventure that would be kind of this episodic in nature approach where I would just constantly be coming back and, and finding out. It would literally be kind of like a TV show in a way, but it's a game instead. I think that would be a terrific new approach to that. When it comes to um, the multiplayer side of things, I think that multiplayer only games, you know, we've seen how they can be detrimental to the the gaming community in the sense where if you have money hungry publishers, they really cheapen the experience. But also too, I think it depends on the game itself. I think that while not everyone, I think that there are a lot of folks who do want to have some sort of purpose as to why the world exists, why these characters have come together. And that's why, even if you don't have any kind of narrative within the game itself, there is a necessity to be able to somehow explain everything through like a game trailer or a cinematic or something to, to that effect. Um, now having said that, I do think there are people who just don't care. Like they'll just want to jump in they'll play the game and uh, that's that. And so there, there is that to consider. I'm not sure if I answered your question or not. I think I forgot what I even asked you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, okay. So, <laughs> okay. 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 So changing gears. So, so a lot of these multiplayer games, like I alluded to before, uh, have these microtransactions. So now you're bigger on the microtransactions in a way than I am because I haven't spent a dime in Overwatch and you have. Yes. But tons of loot boxes that give you. I have you spent hundreds of dollars like mostly cosmetic stuff that, you know, they Blizzard has, has said, you know, this is not going to improve your character any. It's just literally all cosmetic. And I haven't spent, I mean, I, since I can't see my character unless I'm in the gallery that I don't, I don't personally, I don't really care. So I don't, you know, want to spend that much money. Um, so for multiplayer games, knowing that there's going to be stuff you're going to be spending money on, do you think there should be a price difference with the multiplayer, knowing that they're going to have to spend more money in the game, or do you think there should be, it should still be 60 bucks and whatever you want to buy, you should buy? Well, that's a good question in the sense that you have different industry, well, you, you have different developers who, who are taking different approaches. You have certain games that are free up front with the idea that they want to be able to make their money more through microtransactions versus other games that perhaps they want you to buy. Like for instance, Anthem, we had to pay full price. It was like, you know, 60 bucks or whatever. I ended up getting the collector's edition, which was like a hundred or $150. I can't remember how much I spent on it, but then they also expect you to um, spend more money afterwards. And I think that's a bad thing. I think that if you, have a model set up where you want to make your money through micro transactions, you should offer your game up as free to play. I think that's a very, uh, very fair trade off because it allows you to be able to try out the game. If you enjoy the game, 
odds are you're going to want to reward the game developers for making such an awesome game. I think that that is a universal trait among gamers. It's like, yeah, this is, this is fantastic. I want to be able to support them and let them know, Hey, make more of this. I like this a lot. So I, and I think that that is also a part of the whole pay to win thing versus just cosmetics. I think Blizzard has been very wise in the sense that the, the types of things that you can get through the loot boxes is purely cosmetic. It's, it's different skins, it's emotes, it's voice lines, sprays, that sort of thing. And because they have an awesome, talented group who knows how to make these things just as fantastic as possible for someone like myself, I love collecting that stuff. I love, like I see something like, man, that is a lot of fun. It's really cool. And I'm willing to spend out some of that, some money to, to be able to obtain that. And there are people who are even diehard, hardcore supporters of microtransactions in the sense that I have friends who have made mobile games where they have people who play and they have spent tens of thousands of dollars on microtransactions. It's, it's amazing how um, if, if you have someone who really enjoys the game, they love the content you're putting out, it, it doesn't cheat the gaming experience, there is profits to be had when it comes to that. I'm sure that this topic is going to be around for quite some time as more games get released and we get more feedback from the community and the publishers decide to try out different types of approaches to how they go about it. My hope, though, is just moving forward they embrace both sides and not only that, but, but also continue to make certain games that have both the single player and multiplayer components together. If it calls for it, that wraps up this episode of joy and make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreoncom slash which is spelled J O Y G A S M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do with each one of those little dollars. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>